Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. It's Tuesday, 23rd of March, and today we're putting DTM under the spotlight. DTM is at a crossroads as it transitions to a GT3 series, and who better to invite onto the podcast than series boss Gerhard Berger. Gerhard says the technical regulations may be changing, but the DNA remains. So we ask him, how will DTM evolve eventually into an electrified future? What contribution he thinks Stefano Domenicali will make to Formula One now he's in charge? And how does motorsport work in step with the automotive industry? And which one's really driving? On the latest edition of our Hashtag Thinking Forward series with motorsport leaders, here's Motorsport Network President James Allen in conversation with Gerhard Berger. One of the great names of Formula One in the late 1980s and the early 1990s is Gerhard Berger, a Ferrari, McLaren and Benetton driver. He now runs DTM and has very big plans for the future. Gerhard, many thanks for joining us on this Hashtag Thinking Forward episode. Hello. Hi, James. Nice to see you. And hello to all the British fans. It's 30 years since you were teammates with Ayrton Senna at McLaren Honda, a golden period for Formula it's One. T- I understood right, 30, three years or 30 years, <laughs> like three years. <laughs> well, you still look very much the same as you did back then, and you've clearly not lost your sense of humour, but um, it is 30 years, I'm afraid, Gerhard, yes, but, and it was a, clearly a golden, a golden time for Formula One. But what sort of shape do you think Formula One is in today? First, I have to tell you, sometimes I, I, I look a little bit through this Pinterest, and uh, there's old photos coming in from Ayrton and from the time in the 80s, and I just say, I miss this, this 80s, these cars, the white cars with the big wheels, with the white wheels, with uh, 
I, I just feel that they, they looked bloody spectacular. Of course, today with all these details of aerodynamics and something very interesting, but in general, from a, from a first look, I love this era, 80s. And when I remember the time with, uh, with uh, more than 1,000 horsepower, up to 1,400 horsepower, with guys like BK, Rosberg, Senna, Lauda, it was, it was a very, for me, a very special time. And then, of course, I always get the question, what do you think about now Formula One and the future? We cannot put the watch back, but still sometimes I think myself and many of the fans and many of you guys uh, on the media side, wish a bit this time back. I like Formula One. It's highly competitive still, but sometimes I think it lost a little bit the, the way. Well, obviously you race for Ferrari and now one of your old colleagues from those times, Stefano Domenicali, is running Formula One. So in terms of getting it back on the right track, what kind of contribution do you think that he's going to make and, um, and, and to the future of the sport? First, you know, when, when Liberty took over from Bernie, uh, we all was waiting to see what can, be, what can be changed, what will be better and so on. But then when the management was done by Chase, who I'm sure is a great manager, but he never, never seen really Formula One before he, he entered his role. And, special, and then he, he, as American, very difficult to, to understand the real philosophy and the real, the real things behind our sport. And, and I think, as I say, as much I, I appreciate him as a manager, but it's still not the right choice because you need somebody understanding this business, have time, I spend time in this business and, uh, and, and being capable then to, to do what Bernie did for many years. So I think Stefano is a much better choice in this way because Stefano has a lot of experience in the sport with Marlboro with, as a sponsor, with um, Ferrari for a long time next to Sean Todt in a very competitive period, but also seen uncompetitive periods of a team and so on. Stefano been in, in the automobile industry, so he knows the players very well. Uh, he knows the management uh, language between manufacturers. So I think he brings a lot of experience with him. But we all know also this speciality what Bernie had, this killing instinct, this, uh, this way of uh, uh, dealing with different issues. And we have to see if Stefano could follow in a similar way. But, uh, but I think he, he, he definitely been the right choice for Liberty. And I still think he's going to be uh, very good for the sport. Well, these days, as, as we said, Gerhard, you run the DTM. So once it was a, a very popular German touring car championship with a obviously very strong history. But today it's pivoting to a, a GT3 category. And I know you've got some very bold plans for the future, which we're going to talk about today. But can we start by summing up what the audience appeal of DTM is and where it fits into the motorsport landscape? Yeah, what is interesting is this GT3, it came a little bit of uh, a discussion on I mean, the DNA, DNA of, of TTM will not change at all. What is changing is the technical regulation. But the technical regulation in the last 30 years changed uh, very often, a lot of time. We've seen, we seen race cars very close to road cars. We've seen 
Group 5 cars in old days, very much the other direction. And Class 1 was a fantastic regulation. I love it. The reason why I love it is because you could see motorsport without POP, without balance of performance, and, uh, and, and still having competitive, competitive field and, and eye on eye uh, fighting, wheel on wheel fighting. That's what fans love to see. And POP is something we all don't like too much. But if you have different kind of concepts, technical concepts, you need it. So I understand that some people are preferring class one, but in the end of the day, the difference is, is very small because the cars looks the same. If so, maybe the cars looks even better as a GT3 car because it really looks like a Mercedes. It really looks like a BMW. It really looks like an Audi, what we all was missing before. And then the big thing for many years was we should have more, more brands and manufacturers on our, on our platform. And we was dealing always with three, two, three manufacturers. And it was simply not, not, good, enough, not, not, not good enough for the fans and for the participants. So now we have done, done this change. But lap time-wise, it's very close to the class one. So we are talking about three, four, five seconds, maybe difference, but it's, it's, it's more or less the same. The cars look more spectacular. The fans going to see car concepts like they know from the road, one middle engine, front engine, back engine. And the only downside we have to deal with is the POP, but I'm quite sure that we're going to manage it in a very transparent and very good way. And the rest, it's, it's all the same. So we have the same sprint format, we have the same TV, we have the same race trucks, we have the, it's, it's all the same. So uh, I, I just would say TTM is the same than it always been, with uh, a correction of the technical regulation. And of course, a, a very proud history as well. So it seems to be working at the moment. I mean, the grid seems to be filling up quite nicely for this season. Um, but how does DTM make itself distinctive in the GT space? Quite simple. DTM is not related, as I said before, to a technical regulation. DTM uh, stands, stands for professional race drivers sitting in the cars. So... You, you, have, you have, let's say, the highest level of, of drivers coming into the touring car, GT car racing. You have the best teams. If you look to our list of who entered the, the field, it's the best worldwide, the best uh, uh, teams existing in these categories. We have a sprint format, so we don't change drivers. All the, most of the other um, GT3 series have mixed up two drivers, maybe one professional and one who based, uh, who based uh, the, uh, uh, the racing, or the cars and, 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 and the racing. And, and they are not just putting a POP on the technical side, they are also putting the POP on the driver side. So to, to compensate uh, uh, a non-professional driver with a professional driver. So that's a completely different business model and completely different philosophy. Nothing to do with TTM. TTM is, uh, is the best teams. So when you look Audi as example, Joyce again, Rosberg and Abt as their team in TTM. That was the team in class one, exactly the same. That's their factory teams. They are 
they are holding on. Uh, with Ferrari, we got with Alf Corsi, their strongest factory team, what they, what they have in their portfolio. Uh, when you look to, to Mercedes, it's the best teams. So in, in TTM is known as, as the highest competitive series in this kind of business. We have to talk briefly about the, the coronavirus crisis and the effect that it had on, on motorsport, you know, varying different uh, impacts throughout last year. Some, some championships forced to cancel their calendars, others managing to get international uh, series together. Um, everyone was impacted. How did you manage through 2020 and, and what lessons did you learn? Well, I mean, yeah, as you say, everybody faced the same problem. Everybody deals with it in one way or the other way, but a little bit better, a little bit worse. But at the end of the day, what we could do well last year was we had a calendar fixed before Corona. Then we had, we, we smelled the problem coming and we did straight away a change of, of calendar in a way that it could be also done with Corona. So we didn't have to change forwards, backwards, sideways, whatever. We had a calendar set very early, very clear. And that's what we also made. We, we made all our races. We, we, we performed as it would be without Corona, but unfortunately without spectators. And that hurts us a lot because in our case, uh, the, the risk of spectators is on our side. So if you look, as example, Formula One, they are selling the race to a, a racetrack and, and, and the spectators goes with the package of the racetrack. And in our case, we are, it's, a, it's a direct income stream for us. And um, to losing this income stream, as we did last year, of course, it hurts terribly. But that's what we had to face. Then you have some other series. They, they don't have a lot of spectators. They are more... Uh, um, as I say before, very wide with, with drivers, hobby drivers and things like that. So they are not hurt so much on this way, but we are really hurt. And for this year, I say to our guys, let's start as late as possible because we don't know how long this corona goes. And, 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 and we see now that we, are, we, we all have to face it again. And we are starting in the middle of June in Monza and, and, End of last year, when we decide this, everybody's here until there. So of course, Corona will be no issue anymore. Now we're going to face Corona and we're going to see again, most probably race without spectator in the beginning of the season. But again, we have to deal with it and we have to go through. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the road forward in terms of, particularly in terms of sustainability, because all racing series are facing a choice and have been for a few years. You either go electric or you go hybrid and increasingly with sustainable fuels. So Formula One and WRC are doubling down on the, the hybrid uh, strategy with the sustainable fuels. But I think DTM is going for massive electric power. So tell us a little bit about your, your vision. Well, the new magic, uh, uh, the new magic word in, in racing now is sustainability. <laughs> it's unbelievable, you know, things changing so quick. I mean, you have two, two things at the moment to deal with, with sustainability in the product, but also on the platform. It's not enough just to see, see your racing product. You have to see it also on the platform side. And everybody's going to face the same issue. We have to bring motorsport into the future. We have to do certain things where, where the environment is expecting you, you're doing if you do big sport events. 
And that's where we are focusing also, and we are trying to to put a main, to put ourselves in a in a main role. But let's start first on the product on the on the car side. Well, I think nobody yet knows where the final uh, the final drivetrain technology gonna end up, even in the road car. We have some some very clear message from the politician, very clear message from the media. Nobody wants any more halfway, a little bit, no, no. Everybody says, well, electrification is, is the car for the future and that's it, like it or not like it, that's what it is. I'm, I, I've, I'm surprised about this, this tough, big step, but uh, we decided also to see if we can put a racing product in fully electric, electrification, what could be interested for the, for, for the fans. But in parallel, we are still holding on on the combustion engine with maybe bio or, or synthetic fuel, which may be uh, hybrid. So our TTM is GT3, technical regulation, and most probably soon gonna be also with, uh, with synthetic uh, fuel. But we are all fighting to get this fuel. So even up to Formula One, we are all talking about this fuel. But at the end of the day, we, we know that this fuel is not available to, to mix it in in a, in, a, in a big quantity. So there's even on this side is still a couple of difficult things to, to manage, but uh, it's clearly what we want to do in parallel. We, we try to do this touring, touring car, electric, uh, full electric uh, touring car. And when I spoke with our people, I say, well, the fans don't like it yet. And I totally understand why they don't like it. As I, as a racing driver, would not like it. In general, I don't care where the power comes. Is it coming from, from an electric drivetrain, from a uh, hydrogen right drivetrain, or from a combustion engine? It doesn't matter. What I would like to have as a driver, it's 1,000 horsepower or more to be challenged. What the fans would like to see a car, what is a challenge? Because otherwise you are not a star and you are, you are just somebody like uh, everybody driving a car around in a, in, a, in a normal speed and that would not make any, any sport interesting. So I say, well, we, we, we have to do different than Formula E. We have to get proper power comparable with a Formula One car, speeds like a Formula One car, well over 300 that we're gonna attract the fans. And then maybe the fan gonna see it in a different way because I'm sure the fans will also like the sustainability and, and to see how we, how we improve our motorsport. And uh, the other thing is the noise. Then everybody say, well, we don't smell, we don't have noise. Yes, electric, doesn't, uh, electric cars doesn't smell, but the noise, you could do it very easy. And, uh, and the, the question is, do the future generation need this noise as we are used to it and we love it at Love Center? Or is there some new elements what's going to attract to the fans? And the third thing I said, with the touring car, if we can manage the speed and we can manage the power and we can get the race distance done on normal racetracks in comparable with combustion engine cars, then our silhouette will be a big advantage for us too because uh, a Formula E car is not, not close to any of the road cars. So 
I think when we have the silhouette of a BMW, of a Porsche, of Audi, it, it, it will also play a positive role for us. So that was the start of the project. What came out was we, our team, Okai in Hockenheim, with 1,200 horsepower, four-wheel drive, unbelievable fast, uh, and, uh, and spectacular. So now we're going to build out from this demo car, a prototype car, with this very similar technology as we showed it already in Hockenheim, but with, of course, with a, with a different look uh, and, and with a couple of modifications. And we hope that then when we bring it in parallel, that the fans going to have the choice to say, well, this looks spectacular. This is great to watch. This is no difference to a, a combustion engine car. Or they say, no, 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 we don't like it. We still, we still want to see our combustion car engines. And, and we're just going to give the choice for both. And, and then we will see where the, the world develops. And I think this is, important. this is the most important thing because, James, if you are not putting the fan into the center and make, let, make him the decision what he wants to say, if you tell him what he, he needs to say, it will not work. It's very true, Gerhard, very true indeed. Um, now, motorsport has always been in, in lockstep with the automotive industry, hasn't it? You know, automotive manufacturers have used motor racing for marketing and for, for technology transfer and to be able to tell those stories. And the question is always, who's driving here? Is it, is it that motorsport is the incubator, the laboratory, and, and that the automotive industry follows? Or is it the automotive industry that leads and at this moment where we are now with the automotive industry, it's such a massive pivot point, probably more than at any point in our lifetimes. Who's taking the lead here? Is it motorsport or is it automotive industry? Super question, because that's really to bring the finger onto the, to the, to the problem. Uh, when, you, when you lose the way, or when you go away from the sport, uh, then, then you lose. Because in the end of the day, what, what you need to be is a, a sport, what shows people, uh, drivers or stars, what can manage situations different than normal being, human, human being. And, and I, see, I personally think this needs to be the driving force. All the other things comes after. It, it, it needs to be technically interesting. It needs to be challenging. It needs to be what we lost also, also a contribution to, to the road car side. Uh, all this needs to be, but first I think it comes spectacular sport. And, and, and you're right. I mean, I mean, the manufacturers and everybody gonna stay in as long as you have millions and millions of people watching. Have a look in Formula One. In Formula One is so strong. He has so many media reach is so strong that that even if the, the seasons are or even if it's cost wise so expensive as it is, they're staying in because it's, it's the right return of investment. If you don't have this return of investment anymore, you you will fail. And then you 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 will lose everything. So I think get the sport right, get get the, the wheel to wheel fighting right, get the the challenging uh, or, or the, the, the quick cars or the challenge for the sports people, right? Then you will have the fans. When you have the fans, you will have manufacturers and all the rest and sponsors and so on. 
I just have a couple more questions for you, Gerhard. One is, you just mentioned about the media platform that Formula One has, this huge, huge reach. And obviously, you mentioned earlier that, that DTM has, has a strong tradition in terms of getting its story out there on television across, across the media airwaves. What opportunities do you see now that that landscape is evolving so quickly with um, streaming, with digital media, etc.? What opportunities for DTM do you see? Well, we all know that... Uh, before sustainability, the world was digitalization, you know. So, but it's all, all coming coming into our daily business at at the moment. I mean, we are, we would have done this a couple of years ago. You would come and see me, and we would have done this this video or this this interview uh, here on the table. But all not necessary anymore. So, we have to. The time is moving, and we have to move our sport also with this time, and. Um, I would say it's a great opportunity and we can see Formula One is doing it very well. And uh, I think that's also a little bit uh, a strong side of Liberty, bringing uh, Liberty as a, as a big media player comes in and, and, and obviously can push it very much on, on, on developing on, on, social, uh, on, on social media and streaming and so on. But we the same in, in, in TTM. In the, in the last years, TTM was very much driven by manufacturers and very technical oriented. But I would like to get a much, I would like to get a different balance. I think we need to be much more growing in, 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 in the social media area and in the, in the streaming area. And we're doing well. We, we, we had, last year we improved by a big way already the, the numbers. And I think this year it's getting even better. Already we can see uh, uh, another big step forward. And I think, yeah, you need to play the piano and all these things. <laughs> and finally, Gerhard, this, this strand is called hashtag thinking forward. The, the point is very much to look into the future. And, and now we need to look to the, to the really long-term future. You, you've devoted your life to, to motorsport. You're passionate about motorsport. What do you see as the future 10 years and beyond from now? How strong do you think motorsport will be? Also, question what comes now in this difficult time, a lot of time on the table. So people sometimes asking me, do you think motorsport exists in the future? Do you still think people like it? You know, the young people, they, 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 they don't care so much anymore about cars. And they are, I don't agree. I think young people, maybe, yes, they change a little bit interests, but sport always going to be needed in this world. And and a motorsport is one part of sport. And I think there will be always a big group of fans worldwide following motorsport. So I think motorsport is going to play a, a big role in the past and going to play a big role in the future. Which kind of technology is going to be used? I think that's going to be interesting in the next five years. Very much also what the road going to find out as a final solution. Because in the, in the end of the day, there must be a connection between road cars and race cars. And I think maybe once this is clear, then it's going to be again a big possibility for motorsport to be the test bench for these new road car technologies. And that's again how we've been in the 70s, 80s. You remember when the turbo came in and, 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 and different, different technologies came in. And I think this is uh, going to be an uh, important role of the, motors of the motorsport. And on the other side, the motorsports fans, they're going to stick with motorsport. I think we are just responsible, it doesn't matter me and TTM, Stefan on, on, on Formula One, 
that we keep it as a as a challenging sport and we keep it interesting for for our fans. Okay, well, Gerhard, listen, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, hashtag Thinking Forward. Good luck with your season and we'll see you around. Thank you, James. Bye. See you soon. Well, that's our podcast for today. And before you go, here's what you can read right now on the most exclusive corner of the motorsport internet. We call it Autosport Plus. Luke Smith takes a deep dive into how Netflix built on a successful formula in Drive to Survive Season 3. Stuart Codling from our sister title GP Racing writes about why F1's new driver team combos each have a point to prove. And Red Bull's Christian Horner tells Ben Anderson why this year they're getting ready to come tearing out of the blocks. While new subscribers who sign up today can use the promo code PODCAST during checkout to save 50% off your first payment. Go to autosport.com slash plus, then click sign in at the top of the page and use the promo code PODCAST for a 50% discount. Thanks for listening today and we'll be back soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.